Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Good evening, everybody. It's good to be here with you tonight. I get to introduce uh, Pastor John. Um, who's going to come and share with us. There's different times in, in life where the um, Lord takes you through seasons and teaches you new things. And there's several of those for me over the years. And probably about five or six years ago, um, I, I kept bringing something up at staff and just saying, yeah, the Lord's trying to teach me something. I'm trying to wrestle through this. And every time I'd say something like that, Bridget would say, you know, you should reach out to pastor people. And I was like, okay, Pastor Peter. And then, you know, I'd say it again. Oh, you should really reach out to. Uh, so finally, I was like, okay, there's some, I need to, I need to. So I reached out to John and it was great. Just emailed him and he's like, yeah, come on, let's, let's get together and meet. And um, he hangs out in Monroe up in, in Panera. And so we got together at Panera and I had like three main things I wanted to share with him. And, and I shared them with him and he's like, yeah, just listened. And he's a great listener. And and he just started to share examples, told, started telling me these stories. And I just started writing things down. I was like, this is it. This is it. This is what I need to hear. And so over the years, we've gotten together. And, and uh, recently, um, during the COVID period, I went up and we hung out on his back deck. And I shared with him the things that were going on at Washington. And he just encouraged me and prayed for, prayed for me and prayed for you guys. And, and, um, and I tried to, to bring him. We had this, this conflict change at some point, but he was supposed to be here a couple months ago um, before we did our spiritual gift series, and that didn't work out, and so I'm glad it finally did work out, but John is, he's a brilliant man, he's got a PhD in philosophical theology, he's written several books, he, uh, he's been a pastor for 30 years up in Monroe at Redeemer, and, um, and he's also a seminary professor, so um, one of the things I love about him is he's got such a, a critical mind, an academic mind, but then he, he's able to communicate in such simple ways that even people like me can understand, um, which is great. But uh, would you join me in welcoming Pastor John? Jimmy, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to be here. My wife, Linda, we've been married married this summer, 49 years. Yay. One of our church's leaders, Angelo, is... Uh, came along for the for the ride here tonight, and Angelo, thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Is that Jared? Yeah. Yeah, Jared, it's good to see you. Yeah. Kathleen, it's great to see you. Oh my. So I'm going to uh, give some. Uh, I'm going to testify to some things about the Holy Spirit, and uh, I I may go off on a few rabbit trails, explaining some things that I understand about the Holy Spirit. And after I share all those things, then I'm going to get out of town. Uh, um, it's nice to just come in and share this. So I'm going to just tell some stories. And, and so here, the first one is this. It's my, my conversion to Christ. Um, it was 1970. I was 21 years old. So I'll be 73 tomorrow. It's my, it's my birthday. Yeah, yeah. All right. And um, I, I was pretty... Barren. I mean, I, I, was a, I was an everyday drug user, flunked out of college, went in the military, did more drugs, um, 
got out, went back into school. Now I'm doing drugs every day uh, and, and drinking a lot and, and just really, really messed up. And, and uh, so this, there was this campus minister and I did my undergraduate at Northern Illinois University. So there was this campus pastor who uh, talked to my roommate about wanting to come over and talk to us about Jesus. And my roommate invited him to come over. And so my roommate and I strategized, what are we gonna do with this guy? And, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, so we thought of some questions. And we had a lot of fun thinking of questions that we thought he couldn't answer. And by the way, there is no virtue in, in doing that. Uh, anyone, almost anyone can do that. Uh, in fact, uh, our toddler is doing that to me <laughs> right now <laughs> without, even, without even trying. And by the way, I, uh, if, if I phase out a little bit here tonight, it's because I have sung Old MacDonald 50,000 times in the last year to him. I know every verse plus every animal and non-animals that could be added to that. He, he keeps saying, now do this. And then, he's, then he says, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And so I'm singing Old MacDonald. And one time he, he said this, sing farm. Old MacDonald had a farm, and on his farm he had a farm. And I thought, I t look, I taught logic at Monroe Community College for, for 18 years. Uh, I taught logic, comparative religions, Western philosophy, philosophy of religion. And he's exactly right, because Old MacDonald had a farm, and on his farm he had a farm. That's called a tautology. <laughs> and and uh, a tautology doesn't refer to anything actual. It's like saying an apple is an apple, but I thought, my toddler is brilliant. He's, a, he's a, man, he's already, he's already, it's called an analytic proposition, but anyway. Um, so we thought of some questions we thought he'll never be able to answer. He came over and we started asking him some questions. He was talking to us about Christ, about Jesus. And then finally we asked some questions and then we had a big question we wanted to ask him. I can't remember what it was, but uh, we asked him that question. Then he said this, he said, I don't know the answer to that question. It was totally unexpected that he would say something like that. And it was honestly disappointing because I wanted to see him try to uh, garbage his way through this, through this answer and then us picking out the flaws, which again is no great, no great gift. Uh, he said, I don't know the answer to that question. And it was like, oh man, try, you know? And, but he, did, he, didn't, he didn't try, he said, I don't know it, but I do believe this, that there's a God and God loves you. And I had heard the phrase, God loves you, a lot. In fact, there used to be these little bumper stickers people put on cars that just said, smile, God loves you. And I saw those all over the place. He said, I don't know the answer to your question, but I do believe that there's a God and God loves you. And then it was like, wham! something got inside me and it just wasn't letting me go. Uh, I can only describe it as those words that, that God loved me uh, uh, ticked off uh, a revolution inside my heart. And I was sitting there in our apartment and I didn't tell my roommate any what was going on, but I am, I am struggling right now because I, now I know that there's a God and that this God loves me. And, and, and I wasn't on drugs, uh, you know, when that happened. Um, uh, it, 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 was, it was in me, and I knew that God existed. 
now I'm struggling with that, I'm wrestling with that. And uh, three or four days later, um, I, I said, if you're real, Jesus, if you're real and you can rescue me out of my bondage, uh, I will follow you. And, and uh, so I did that and my life then began to change. But I, look, I found out this was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doing this in me, something I'd never experienced before. And by the way, uh, it's the experience of the Holy Spirit that's very cool. It's, it's, it's not some like theoretical kind of thing. I mean, there is doctrine, there's correct doctrine, uh, but it's, it's the encounter, it's the experience. It's, you know, God with us is, is, is an experiential reality. And I, look, I, I love logic, man, but this is not a logical proposition. This is, this is an encounter. This is a, this is a, a game changer, uh, the, the experience. And, and then the, uh, uh, the Bible, I found myself interested in the Bible. And I never was interested in the Bible. Um, and now I, I went to my parents' house and they had an old Bible that was given to me when I went through the Lutheran Confirmation. And, and I asked my mom where that Bible was and I think she was pretty stunned <laughs> that I would be asking her where the Bible is. Uh, and, I, and I got it and uh, I, I, I read the Bible so much it began to fall apart. And uh, one, But one day, part of it's falling apart too as I left it on the roof of the car uh, <laughs> one day and <laughs> took off. Took off and, and then realized a couple miles down the road when I parked, it, the Bible's gone. So anyway, that's another story. All kinds of notes in it. I beat it up a little bit. But uh, I read it and I read it. It was alive. It was, like, it was like, you know, it says in Hebrews, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This was a reality me, to me. And by the way, this is like the Hebraic idea. Uh, the, the Western the Western idea is more you view the Bible as an object and you study it, but the Hebrew idea is the, is the Scripture understands you and it studies you by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different kind of what's called a hermeneutic. The, the Scripture is studying you. It's like it's reading my mail. It's like the verses are standing out and, and it, it's penetrating deep inside of me. And I mean, I'm really, I love Bible study, but the Holy Spirit is moving through the scriptures when it is studying you because it knows you. And that's, that's why you're interested in it because it's got your number in a, in a good way. Uh, so the Bible became alive to me. And then this desire to be holy uh, overtook me, which was a, a different experience too because I was in this social fraternity and holiness was not a word that we were using uh, a lot in the social fraternity. It, I mean, I don't even want to start describing stuff that we did. But now I, I wanted to be holy. And the word holy means set apart. I wanted to be different. Uh, I, I wanted to be, uh, and I'm not perfectly pure-hearted, but I wanted to be pure. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's quite a thing if you meet someone who walks in holiness and, and purity. It's, it's a different kind of thing. Uh, it, it's a rare person uh, that, that stands forth like that. And so that, that uh, became part of me. And, and then I felt the Holy Spirit lead me not to date, try, even try to date anybody. And, and I, I, I stayed with that for at least, uh, at least a year. And it was a great time in my life where, where the Holy Spirit and you know, Jesus God uh, you know, working in my heart and working in my life. And that was different for me too. And then, of course, I began to, I met Linda and began to hang around her. And... Uh, 
things changed, including my golf game, uh, which was okay, but it really degraded at that point <laughs> because I wanted to be with her more than I wanted to be on the golf course. And uh, eventually I, I thought, I, I'm going to give up golf. It's getting so bad. I'm so much in love with her that uh, this isn't working this way. Um, I started to write songs. I, I started playing guitar when I was five years old. I used to teach. I, I was a teacher in Rick Nielsen's music studio. Uh, he's the guitarist for the band Cheap Trick. And, and so I was playing in guitar bands and, and uh, teaching guitar. Um, and, but when, I, when the Holy Spirit got in me, when I was baptized in the Spirit, I started writing songs. I mean, it's, it's like I did a two-year degree in music theory so I can, I can, if I hear a song in my head, I can, I can pull over to the side of the road and write it down. I used to carry music score paper with me and just write down the notes so I could remember the, the melody so I wouldn't lose, lose this thing. But these songs are coming out of me and, and uh, some of them ended up being recorded by Christian artists and, and I was playing Jesus festivals and Linda joined me and we were traveling around the Midwest playing Jesus festivals. But, but you know, this word inspiration um, I mean, the word spirit is in the word inspiration. It's, it's the Holy Spirit coming in you and, and, and you responding to it and, and, and being motivated by it. That started to happen. That never happened in my, in, in my life before. Um, uh, I was in the Army National Guard and uh, I, I couldn't keep my mouth shut about Jesus because like my Army National Guard buddies were drinking drug-using buddies of mine and we hung out a lot and just did that. And then I stopped. I didn't even, th when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't even think about that that's going to happen. But it did. Uh, the day I, I prayed, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life, was the last day I did drugs in my life. And I did, it was amazing to me. So, but now, so now I'm not doing that. And I start to have some friends that are, that are hating me because now I'm not drinking and doing drugs with them. Um, but in the Army National Guard, I started to share Christ uh, with, uh, with, with others. And, and guys were asking me about what's happening to you. And so in the Illinois Army National Guard unit in Rockford, Illinois, in the, in the 70s, we had, a, we had a revival in our National Guard unit where 20, 30, 40 men became followers of Jesus. And um, we were meeting on Sunday morning and they asked me to be a military chaplain uh, the the, the command, company commanders. I didn't feel called to do that, but we had a revival going on in, in that unit. And, and we, when we went to our two-week summer camps, um, we were doing outdoor services. People were finding Christ, and you know that was all during the Jesus movement too at the time. I mean, it was just captivating, and and, and uh, we saw guys, you know, give their life to Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like you, I just couldn't believe that they would. <laughs> that they were even reachable. But then God said, well, look at you, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, my brother Mike uh, became a, a follower of Jesus through our testimony. And I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't witness to my brother Mike because I don't think I was the greatest brother to him. And it was like, I just don't feel good about telling him now this thing that I've discovered, Jesus, because um, I was his older brother and and uh, wasn't always the nicest to him. Um, but I asked him to be the best man in our wedding. And when we got back from our, uh, our little honeymoon, um, we pulled into the parking lot of the apartment 
complex we were living in, my brother Mike was there, and he greeted us, and he said, well, I did it. And I said, you did what? And he said, I, be I became a follower of Jesus. And, and uh, he became a great leader and servant in his own church. Um, the, the, the Holy Spirit now leading and, and, and guiding us. Uh, I had band members uh, that asked me what's going on. And so I, I just would say my testimony. I would just, uh, testimonies are really hard to refute. And uh, it was like before Christ, this is, this is, by the way, in our congregation, we're in Monroe, we're challenging everyone. Everyone should be able to give their testimony, a three minute testimony before Christ, how you came to Christ and afterwards. Just have it in your back pocket, ready to pull it out, you know, when when it's needed, and and so Mike became a follower of Jesus. Um, the movement of the Holy Spirit was starting to transform me, and 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 so the issue of transformation, uh, like in Romans twelve two, don't be conformed to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, that word, the, the Greek word there is metamorphē. Meta means change. Morphē means a form. Uh, and, and so it's a transformation of, of, of your heart into something different, like born again. It's not a tweaking of your old heart in an upgrade or, or a makeover of it. It's a, it's a new heart. It's a different way of viewing things. That's the idea in Romans 12, 1 and 2. You, you become a new creation. And, and uh, so one of the things the Holy Spirit was teaching me and convicting me about was that I needed to be a servant. But I needed to be a servant in my own home. And so I was living with my parents for a while, and uh, there was one uh, Sunday dinner that we had, and now I'm a follower of Jesus, and after the Sunday dinner, my, my dad, my brother, and I, we, we go out and watch football on TV, and my mom cleans up everything. She made the meal, she cleans up everything, and I was sitting out, sitting out uh, in, uh, in, in that family room, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I'm going to share some things about how that happens, how I think that happens. And, and the Holy Spirit said, get out there and start serving in, the, in your own home. So get out there and do the dishes. And this, like that moment may not sound like that big of a deal, but it's one of the big greatest things that the Holy Spirit has ever done for me in my entire life. It, it really is. Uh, uh, I, I knew that was God speaking to me, and so I I went out into the kitchen and I told my, uh, my mother uh, that I was going to do the dishes. And she said, no, you're not. Get out in the other room. And, and uh, she said, no, I'm so we had a little fight about it, which isn't you know, necessarily spiritual. But uh, I insisted on doing it. And I, just, I didn't shove her out of the way, but uh, I'm doing these dishes. And I started to serve in my own home. This was absolutely crucial. Never trust anyone in leadership who doesn't serve in their own home. Never, ever. Um, is it, you know, the, the facade of servanthood to the, out in public is, is, means nothing um, if you're not serving in, in, to your own people, your own family, in your own home. But the Holy Spirit led me into doing that, and I'm so grateful um, for that. Uh, one time, Lynn and I were, were going, and we were going to a church to speak on the Ephesians verse is about submit to one another. Um, submit, hupo, the Greek word there is hupotasso, to stand under one another. Uh, it's like what life in the kingdom is life. It's a life of mutual submission. And, and so I was going to speak on husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And on the way to that church, uh, I pulled over to the side of the road and Linda said, what are you doing? 
And, and I said, well, we're going to speak on these things, and I'm going to talk about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And um, I asked her, how am I doing? <laughs> and it, it, it could have, it, something could have happened that would have canceled the, <laughs> the speaking engagement. But she said, you said, uh, she said, you're doing a great job. And there's, there, there's little that means more to me in life than hearing something like that. That, that, that she would say that. And, and uh, it's not that we're so great, but we do serve each other. And, and, and we love doing that. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to be a, a servant now. And, and that was different in our narcissistic entitled culture uh, where people are just waiting themselves to be served so that they can be, quote, happy and acquire the happiness disease. Um, by the way, Christ didn't come to make you happy. Uh, he, uh, he, he came to make you, he came to bless, but he came to use you to, for the sake of his glory and his kingdom and all of that. And all of that sometimes is not, happiness is not the emotion to use <laughs> to uh, describe what, what's happening. I hope that makes some kind of a sense. Um, so the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I... I wrote a book, it's called Praying, and, and if you're interested, it's on Amazon. And um, so for the past 43 years, every Tuesday afternoon, um, every week, every month, every year for 43 years, I go out to pray for anywhere from one to six hours. And this is not like my day off, this is my work. Because this, this, is, this is what we're called to do, to, to stay in touch with God. Prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is talking with God about what God and I are thinking and doing together. That's what prayer is. And so why did Jesus pray? And by the way, Jesus prayed, he had a praying life. How weird to think that we wouldn't, right, if we're followers of Jesus. Um, it says in the Luke version of this, it says early in the morning before dawn, as was his custom, he went out to a lonely place and there he prayed. Uh, that was his lifestyle. Um, so I, I, I began to get a prayer life now 45 years ago and, and doing all this praying. And, and uh, uh, this increased praying gives a person spiritual discernment. Um, discernment means to, to cut through the, and separate the false from the true or what God wants from other voices. And, and the way that you hear the voice of God is this, it's a function, or it's a direct proportion to familiarity. That is, the more familiar you are with something, the greater discernment you will have. And so the focus is not actually on hearing God uh, and hearing the Spirit, but the focus is on connecting with Jesus, being a, a branch attached to the vine. Um, and, and so if we teach our people how to abide in Christ. In fact, that's the number one thing that we, we teach them. Because we know that if they abide in Christ, their lives will bear much fruit. Because that's what Jesus says. But the focus is not even on bearing fruit. It's on abiding in Him. And the word abide is a Greek word named, you know, meno, which is a, which is a crockpot word. It's a slow cooker word. It's not a microwave. It's, a, it's, a, it's like if Lynn and I, after we were done here tonight, we dropped in on you at your home, which would really be strange, I think. <laughs> Uh, except made for uh, the Connors, and uh, if we if we popped in and said and you invited us in and said hey have a cup of coffee yeah we just came for a visit and and maybe that would be cool 
depending on you know how you're how you're doing and what you're doing but if we stopped over at your house and and said you know we've come to abide with you I mean you should say no <laughs> to that. you just should you know, we decline the offer because abiding means we've come to stay man we've we've come to dwell with you the word abide meno can mean dwells to reside uh, it, it, it's, it's a big word with big, big time staying power. It's, it's we're going to be branches connected to you, the vine, and and but it, but it's a long term slow cooker, not a microwave. Um, so, in in terms of hearing, hearing God, here, here I was learning how to abide at age twenty one. I'm sitting in my Lutheran church on a Sunday morning, and uh, and there's I'm looking at the bulletin, and I'm actually paying attention in the service right now for the first time in my life because before that I used to take the bulletin and a pen. I used to I used to color in all the O's and the D's <laughs> and and the, and the G's and the other things. And then in the in the margins I would put the percentage of of uh, of O's per colored in per word. Um, and uh, so the bulletin would have like 38 percent and 68 percent. And and I would just do that a lot and maybe people thought I was praying as I was you know <laughs> taking notes on the sermon no man I, I was doing I was trying to have some kind of a game to keep myself interested <laughs> and uh, um, but but then I was but that on that day I was reading the bulletin and, and, the, and the announcement in the bulletin said please pray our, our youth leader uh, needed to uh, he, he's moved so we need a youth leader and I'm 21 years old, and I'm thinking, man, they do need a youth leader. I know I, I would have needed one. And so I'm thinking about that a little bit. I come, in to, come into uh, the service next, the following Sunday, and I read the same announcement. And I found myself thinking, Jesus, isn't anyone going to come forward and take this youth job? And, and uh, I found myself actually praying that, that God would provide that, and I found myself looking at some of the youth. I knew, I knew some of them. I, I, I came in the next Sunday, I read it, and I thought, no. <laughs> no, no, I I'm, have no qualifications for doing this. I mean, just off drugs and all these other things. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the person for this. And, but I couldn't get away. And I, I, I thought, have you heard the phrase that uh, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called? And... Uh, I went and talked to my pastor, and I, I told him this crazy story. And my pastor said, I think God's calling you to be the, our youth leader. And I, I, my thought was, you're kidding. Not the greatest interview, you know, <laughs> to try to impress, impress that. But I did, and man, what an experience that was. Eventually, Linda joined me. Um, we just saw lots of, uh, of these youth getting on fire for Jesus. A few of them became pastors. Uh, there's one one who became a pastor. If he's ever in Michigan, he, from California, he stops in to see us. And but but the part of the my spiritual life and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit leading, speaking, and guiding me. I mean, it says that all over Scripture, right? In the, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, what could what could that mean except he's guiding? And there comes a sense that he's now leading me to do something or leading me to stop doing something or he's speaking to me about me. And this is very clear to me the more that 
I, I, I do this and experience this, but it's a function of, of familiarity. It's in proportion to how familiar you are with Jesus. And so you focus on abiding in him and doing those things that connect you with him, and you, and you slow cook in that, and you make that a lifestyle, and, and you, come, you, know, you come to love that. Uh, I mean, I've got like 4,000 journal and pages of, of 52 years of, of doing this. And um, I'm told, you know, as far as I'm concerned, when I, when, when I go to be with the Lord, I mean, Linda can read them. Otherwise, let's just throw them away. Because <laughs> you might be mentioned in there. Like, I'm having a problem with this person. And, uh, no, when I, write, when I write that, I put X. Because C.S. Lewis wrote an article called The Problem with X. And, and uh, so there's a lot of X's in my journal. I'm really angry at X right now and so on. Um, Francis Chan says, there should be an obvious difference between someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit and someone who is not. There should be an obvious difference. Um, I ended up traveling and sharing my testimony and speaking and, 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 and doing these kinds of things. And this to me was a mini miracle because um, like my, my nationality is Finland. And we are the epitome of introversion. Um, I mean, it, there's this joke, like if you meet, talk with a Finnish person and they're looking at your feet while he's, they're talking, it means that they really like you. <laughs> and uh, eye contact is, uh, I, I mean, there's a whole Finnish culture and my grandparents were from Finland and uh, you, I mean, right, Linda, we're, we're introverts and, and her family which, uh, I mean, Linda is Jewish and, and Russian-Jewish, and this was off the charts for me when I had to meet this family. Um, it's like, I don't know if I can handle this. There's, they, they actually stayed around the dinner table and talked and talked and talked, and eventually it would always be arguing and arguing, and sometimes it turned just downright sinful uh, in, in terms of uh, they had to apologize to each other and they hug and cry and all that. And I'm saying, what is this? <laughs> Let's just eat in silence. <laughs> and, and, and let us just have our food and just, just eat. And so I would say my family didn't talk a lot around the dinner table. Would that be true, Linda? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and uh, getting up in front of people and talking. I mean, I know that there's the fear of public speaking. Um, I don't know how bad that fear can get, but on the badness scale uh, of the fear of speaking in front of someone, we, we had that illness. And there's no way I, I, I would want to ever do that. And, and the thought of it, uh, like we had this thing in elementary school called show and tell. And I didn't want to show anything or tell anything. <laughs> Uh, I, I, this is my whatever it is is mine. I can just keep it to myself, and I don't need you. To, I don't need you to know about it. And and when I had to do a show and tell, I, I would get uh, I would get physically sick, and or I would feign physical sickness to my mother. And and so one day I told my mother, uh, I don't know, I'm in fifth grade, sixth grade. I said I feel really sick today, and she says, you got you got show and tell. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I got show and tell, and uh, she she made me go to go to school that day with great empathy. Um, so when 
when God called me to speak in front of anybody to do that, I, I just thought, this has to be you, and why would you do that? <laughs> why don't you pick someone who's really good at it? Because I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing up there. And, uh, and then I started to read the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul, uh, the, uh, uh, w would have been the worst conference speaker that there could ever be. I, the uh, first century Jewish historian Tertullian described Paul. He was short, he had a big nose, he had a unibrow like Bert, and <laughs> although Tertullian didn't say Bert, um, Paul himself says, uh, I'm the least of these. He, he says, I'm not a good speaker. That's Paul says, I'm, I'm not an eloquent speaker. And, and he said, all I've got is, is, uh, is the gospel and the power of God. That's all I got. And then I, you know, like I, I read that, I think, well, man, what else would you need than that? The, the, the gospel and, and the power of God. Because it can't be about our flamboyance and charisma. It just can't be, right? Um, it, 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 that would be so strange. Then I'm in drama school, you know. <laughs> Training to be flamboyant, which just strikes me as a horror uh, to, to want to do that. Um, to, to public speak was a move of the Holy Spirit, and he called me to do it, and I was so willing to do anything. I'll even do that. I'll stand in front of people and, uh, and, and, and give my testimony. And so I did that at a, at a, at a, at a, at a meeting of the, of the Army National Guard once. And, and I gave my testimony. There were about 60 guys there, and like 30 of them responded to receive Christ. And the thing, the thing Paul knew is that when this happens, man, it's, it proves it's not about you. Because you're such a bad speaker <laughs> that it can't be about you. So God gets all the glory. Seems to be the less talented we are, the more, the more God gets the glory. But it's not even about our talent. It's about our, our hearts and following following the Spirit. Um, the baptism of the Spirit. What is, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, God's empowering presence. Uh, Gordon, uh, Craig Keener, uh, the great New Testament scholar, says God empowers his people with his own, with his own presence. Uh, Randy Clark says the baptism by the Holy Spirit is the greatest thing ever in human history because the Holy Spirit comes to make his, his home in you. Well, I mean, Jesus makes his home in us but it makes us portable sanctuaries, portable sanctuaries carrying the Holy Spirit. We're temples of the Holy Spirit now. It says that in two places in Corinthians. Um, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And then it says again, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And the word you there uh, in one verse is plural, meaning the whole body collectively, you're a temple. And the other one is, is singular, meaning you as an individual are a temple. Um, but by the way, almost every time the word you is used in the letters of Paul, 98% of the time, it's plural. It's not some, it's not some individuated thing, like for individuals to, to be personally blessed. I mean, there's blessing, but it's all a community, collective, tribal thing that's going on. And it doesn't, the idea of individuated individuals, uh, you know, just themselves, it's, it's pretty foreign from the scriptures. It's a, it, it's a tribal movement community thing um, and so I've experienced the Holy Spirit speaking to me leading me guiding me 
I am convinced that any ability to discern the voice of the Spirit is, is in direct proportion to your familiarity with the Spirit and Christ. And this means you focus on the familiarity. You, you, you meditate on the Word. You, you put on that worship music and you, and you become a worshiper in your heart. Uh, you, you serve others. You, you do these things when, that are called spiritual disciplines. When Paul says anyone who wants to compete in the games of life has to go into strict, tra strict training. And the word strict training there is the Greek word gymnazo, from which we get gymnasium. You go into strict training for Jesus. You do worship reps in, in, in God's gym. You do scripture reps. You do meditation on scripture reps. You do serving reps. You just keep doing these uh, over and over and over and over. And it builds this increased sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But uh, you, you stay connected to Jesus, the vine, as a branch. Uh, but if someone lives their life like they got saved and now they're a disconnected branch, I don't expect them to discern anything and, uh, about what Jesus, the Spirit, is saying. You, you, can't, you just can't do that. It's like I taught guitar for many years, and you, you can reach a level of guitar playing where you just kind of know what to do sometimes. You'll never get there if you don't practice, man. You just won't. You just, it'll, never, it'll never happen. Um, what about spiritual gifts? I've had experience with spiritual gifts. I've seen many people get healed. And it, I, so I'm picking and choosing here which ones I'm going to share with you right now. Um, and, so, and so here's one. Uh, I wasn't a follower of Jesus when my grandmother lived with us six months, months out of the year. But when she was in her mid-80s, she developed cancer she was living with my, my family. My mother was caring for her. My mother was bathing her. And, and she, had, she had tumors in her breasts and other parts of her body. And, and my mother, you know, in bathing her, felt those, those tumors. And she wasn't going to the doctor anymore because she's 87 years old and, and no one wants to put her through these treatments. And they probably wouldn't have done any good anyway. And she... She had bought her dress to be buried in, and uh, she's living with us. <clears throat> then she moved to live with my other aunt for six months. And one day my aunt called my mother and said she was bathing grandma and, and all the tumors seemed to be gone. Now, look, this is my mother who the last thing on the planet she would ever want to do is sensationalize, right? <laughs> I mean, it's very crisp Finnish language. It's past the toast. <laughs> no more than that? I think that's clear enough, don't you? Just past the toast. No more need to be said. She didn't want any attention drawn to herself, and my aunt was the same way, and my mother just thought that was almost unbelievable if not entirely and so our family drove up to the upper peninsula of Michigan where I was born and my my grandma was there and my mother examined my grandma herself and, and all the tumors were gone so she lived another 10 years died at age 97 bought four more dresses to be buried in <laughs> because even at that age styles change 
and you know you, you want to be trendy man even in the, even there and, and she eventually died I have a friend that teaches at University of Indiana her name is Candy Brown Candy's got her PhD at Harvard professor of religious studies her husband Joshua Brown is a neuroscientist at Harvard uh, at, at Indiana did his PhD at Boston University 15 years ago Candy contacted me and said Joshua Brown Joshua her, her, her neuroscientist husband has an inoperable brain tumor I called her and, and said what are they doing and I, then I thought oh what a fool I was and she said nothing because it's inoperable untreatable brain tumor in a neuroscientist's head and then I heard from them later and I've got an e had an email from them saying we went to our church some people prayed for him to be healed the tumor went away this is what's called in sociology a credible witness that is there's some people who tell me some things like this and I'm not exactly just jumping at oh yes that happened but when Josh Brown the neuroscientist says the tumor went away and so Candy got a Templeton grant of a quarter of a million dollars to study healing and she went to travel with Heidi Baker in Mozambique and she took along a team of other scientists to test hearing, lo hearing loss and visual loss and so they prayed for people before they got prayed for their eyes and ears and they registered and they tested them with audiometric visual acuity devices and then they laid hands on them this is called PIP proximal intercessory prayer where you touch the person with your hand and then they registered the differences she published it in a secular medical journal the Southern Medical Southern Journal of Medicine in September 2010 I think and then she published her book with Harvard University Press called testing prayer Lynn and I were in New York City because uh, I teach at the nation's oldest black theological seminary which is Wilberforce which is Payne Theological Seminary in Wilberforce Ohio and I've taught there for several years and a number of the, the black pa uh, black pastors and others invite me to come sp occasionally invited me to speak so I sp we were speaking in New York City uh, in, in, uh, Flush in Flushing in the Jamaica what's called the Jamaica area at a Presbyterian church a mostly black church and was preaching on this kind of stuff and Linda was there with me and then I said uh, I invited people if there's anyone who would like prayer for healing um, uh, you know come forward and so some people came forward this one man whose name was Bill right probably about six foot three a very handsome 80 year old man he looked he looked so much like Morgan Freeman <laughs> I mean when he came up I, I whispered to the, the my hostess he looks like Morgan Freeman and uh, they said yeah everyone says that and uh, this man got up real close to me put his head right here his face was right here and he, I said I apologize for for holding my face so close because I thought I'd at least like to try to see the shadow of your face your outline because I really can't see any more than that and then he said I'd like I'd like you to pray for my eyes to be healed because I'd, I'd like to read my Bible again that's what he said and so Here's how we've been taught to do this. And I don't think there's any formula here, but how we do this is I place my hand, I asked if I could place my hand on his eyes. Um, I said, God, I thank you for your healing power. 
in Jesus' name, now be healed. And by the way, this, you know, to, this is mostly how Jesus did it. He just commanded people to get well. I mean, he, he just said, get up, right? Uh, if you have authority, all you have to do is command. Um, and uh, so Jesus says in Luke 9 and 10, I give you authority to heal diseases, cast out demons, and do all these things. Um, it's not about us. It's about authority given to us. And so we do this. And, and what if something doesn't happen? We're just going to leave that up to God. But, but if you're sick and we know you and love you, we're going to pray for this for you. We're going to do this. And we've never had people resist it. And so I said, in Jesus' name be healed. And then he hit himself in the side of the head. And then he went and sat down. They have pews in, the, in that church. They sat down in the pew. And people are watching, man, because they know him. He's been with this church a long time. They know he can't see anything. And he starts counting uh, the pipes of the organ pipes on the wall. And we're watching him count these. And he picks up his Bible and he starts reading it. And it was so astounding to the people. And it was very encouraging. And by the way, it's very seeker friendly. <laughs> it is, it's a powerful seeker friendly tool. He just stayed there. And the rest of us went down to the potluck. <laughs> but, but other people stayed around him and they kept, is he still reading his Bible? He's still reading his Bible. And I'm in contact with him uh, a, a year or two after that. Yeah, he's, he, can, he can see. So we saw that. By the power of the Spirit. One of the spiritual gifts is healing. And it's not about us. Have you heard of uh, Lee Strobel? Case for Christ. Case. His more recent book is called The Case for Miracles. And in his book, The Case for Miracles, he writes about a miracle that happened in my church, our church in Monroe. And it was this miracle. Uh, a man named Carl. <clears throat> Carl's an engineer. Uh, he, uh, he also is a long-distance runner. I mean, he used to long-distance run. He's older now. Uh, but he ran the Detroit Free Press Marathon and did well enough he qualified for the Boston Marathon. So he, he ran the Boston Marathon three or four times after that. But he's just running everywhere. Uh, and and, and uh, his feet are very important to him. Well, one day at work he dropped something heavy on his foot and he broke it. He knew he broke it. He knew something was very wrong with his foot. Went, went to the hospital, might have been the University of Michigan Hospital, I forget. Got the MRI, there's the break. Came to church next Sunday. Some people, not the pastor, said, God, thank you for your healing power. In Jesus' name, heal Carl's foot. Carl went to the University of Michigan Medical Center the, the next week. He felt his foot was better. The, uh, the doctor said, uh, there's no break. So I have the MRIs. And I sent them to my friend Craig Keener, who wrote about it, this in his book on miracles. And that story is in the book that you're reading now, too. It's, it's coming up, I think, you know, if you're not there yet. And, and uh, um, he, uh, 
<laughs> he gave his testimony and it's very encouraging. But the power of the Holy Spirit says when you when you are when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. And how did Jesus himself operate? Well, he, he, he proclaimed and he demonstrated. It was like show and tell. He, he, he proclaimed and he demonstrated. He, he said this, he gave a teaching and then he would say it's like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this and he heals someone or he casts out a demon. I mean, we haven't seen everyone healed that we've prayed for. Uh, but it's intense because like we have a couple in our church and this little baby, his name is, the baby's Owen. Oh, and, and, and the couple, the husband is a, is a, is a doctor. I think he's a doctor at, uh, at ProMedica here in Toledo. And, and his wife is a nurse. And their little baby is on the, is on the edge of life and death. And, and uh, she said Sunday, she said, I'm going to try to bring Owen to church. And, and I want you and Linda and others to pray for her. And we had the speaker this morning, Robbie Dawkins. He, Robbie uh, prayed for them too. But we're all believing that because we've seen this happen, the Holy Spirit is able to do this. And so we're in, thank you for your healing power. In Jesus' name be healed. And, and let's see what God does. But it's, if, you took, if you took that part of the Holy Spirit out of the scriptures, I know you guys don't. I mean, you, guys, you have a tremendous worship atmosphere here already. I mean, for Lynn and I to walk into here and in here and hear you sing. And there's, I mean, even, even when we saw this room, we, we knew the Holy Spirit was here. And, and that, so be encouraged. I mean, it's like this is, this is one of those places, you know, where, where God is moving. And, and it's... And, uh, um, very easy to see but she brought that little baby uh we we did that prayed for others this morning um but i've seen the whole i've seen the holy spirit heal heal people uh, i saw a number of these when i was teaching in kenya i mean it's it's uh so what is my testimony to the holy spirit i testify to this uh he supernaturally saved me when i heard him uh, when he got inside me um and told me that he loved me and my conversion. He, he uh, gave me a love for the scriptures, the spirit that I never had any idea I would ever read the Bible again in my life. And uh, he, he gave me a servant's heart, which isn't all the way there yet, but it's, it, it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me that, that did that. He, he uh, um, gave me a passion uh, for a, a desire to follow him and speak and teach and and, and do these things that I thought I'd never do ever in my life. Um, I mean, I started off as an engineering major. I just want my little place. You know, if that's what an engineer does, I'm not quite sure. Uh, my dad was, but I mean, I just want my place where I can do my engineering thing and, uh, and enjoy myself, if, 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 if it's enjoyment. Um, he, I, read the, I read the scriptures and it's like, this stuff is in there. In my own take on this is, if this isn't real, then I'm not interested. That's just, I don't know, that's just me. Why would I want to follow Jesus if this stuff that is in, is in the Word isn't real? 
I just couldn't see myself wasting my time with that. Uh, but the realities of these things have come to me over the years. I've written about them in my journals for myself, so I'll never forget them. Uh, stories and, and miracles. Uh, spiritual gifts. Um, my own particular belief uh, on this is that the spiritual gifts, all of them are available to everybody. They're actually called manifestations. Uh, some scholars say, uh, it does use the word gift there, but call them manifestations. Manifestations of the Spirit for the for to edify, strengthen, comfort, and encourage the people of God, operating in, in the body. And, and uh, um, so these, the Spirit manifests as, as, as He wills. And so I, I, was, I remember reading, and this story is about 20 years ago, about the gift of uh, prophecy and the word of knowledge. And why would I talk about that? Because in 1 Corinthians 14 it says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. Whoa, what's, what's that about? And, and uh, um, so we did studies on this. Uh, we've seen other people operate effectively, we think, in this way. And so in front of our congregation on a Sunday morning, I felt that God was telling me something about a woman I, that I didn't even know. And I couldn't get away from it. And that was, her name was Mary, Linda. Um, uh, so I'm uh, up here on the platform, and, and there's this woman in this row, uh, a row in the, near the back. And uh, actually, that was her first time ever coming to our church family. And so I, I risked it. And, and, and uh, I, I thought, because I felt God saying, you need to do this. Yeah, I've got something for her. And so I... Uh, I pointed to her and I and and I said, "What's your name?" She said, "Mary." I said, "Mary, I feel God is giving me something to say to you." And and uh, um, so I'm going to share it. And then I said, "You discern whether you think it's from God or not." And and I said, "So as I look at you, as I was looking at you, I thought of this psalm in the Bible, Psalm 126, where it talks about a farmer uh, who is who is weeping, but he goes out and sows seed anyway, and the promise is given him." That, that if, he, if he sows seed even while he's weeping, he'll bring back a harvest of joy. And, and I said, that's, and that's it, Mary. I, I thought that God has got something there for you. And uh, I didn't see what she did next, but she turned to the person who invited her to open up her Bible and show them uh, that her life verse is, that's her life verse. And when I found out that later, again, my response is, you're kidding me. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a man of great faith. <laughs> really, I was just stunned. I was stunned. And, and, uh, and so we've experienced uh, things like that. Um, here, here's, here's what I like to do. I, I'm giving some testimony to uh, the Holy Spirit. I want to tell this just one example of the importance of the presence of the Spirit. And then I think uh, I'm going to ask if anyone has any, any questions. Um, we could do a little Q&A if anyone wanted to. And then uh, I want uh, uh, myself and Linda and Angelo, uh, if anyone would like prayer for healing. Uh, we would love to do that. And, and it would just be our honor and privilege to do that. Um, but how important is the, is the presence of the Spirit? Um, so... 
I don't know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, Linda and I went to Ann Arbor to eat at P.F. Chang's. You guys have got a P.F. Chang's mm -hmm. around here somewhere, right? Yeah. And uh, um, when we were in the restaurant there, we ordered our meal. We've eaten there a few times. And then the waiter came out and, and uh, with an apologetic look on his face, and he said, I'm sorry, sir, but we're out of rice. <laughs> and I don't think I said anything. Did I? <laughs> what can you say? It's an Asian restaurant, man. <laughs> if there's one thing they'll have is rice. Well, out of everything else, all we got is rice. That's what they should be saying. And then, then he went to the other tables. I'm watching him. He's confessing to all these people. And I'm looking at the looks on their faces. I was actually enjoying that part. It was like, give it to him, you know. Finally, the, the, the manager of the whole place came out and went from table to table. Sorry, that we were out of rice. And, you know, fortunately, I've read enough of Proverbs to restrain my mouth at that moment from saying what, I, what I'd like to say. Like, I'm not even going to say it here. Um, look, if it doesn't have rice, it's not an Asian restaurant. It reminded me of another thing that happened at International House of Pancakes. I remembered that story, and it's like God, God saying, you've seen this before. I'll give you some history with this, it's to help you handle this. So I thought of our time at International House of Pancakes. When, when I go there, I order pancakes. Why else would you go? <laughs> Seriously, to International House of Pancakes if not for pancakes. This is their marquee item. It's their essence. It's their sine qua non. It's, a, uh, it's the piece de resistance. It's, it's all of that sort of thing. Um, and so I ordered the pancakes, got them. But because I'm introverted, conservative, behaviorally in some ways, um, and, and shy, and, and just want simple, bland food from Finland. Um, I, I, I put maple syrup on my pancakes, even if it's fake maple syrup, like International House of Pancakes. But there wasn't any on the table. And so I asked the waitress for the maple syrup, and she said, I'm sorry, so we're out of maple syrup. And I, I don't want the raspberry tofu syrup. I don't, I don't want the, the kiwi blended banana, uh, you know, salmon skin crust syrup. I don't want any of that. I want just good old maple syrup. If it doesn't have maple syrup, it's not International House of Pancakes. But the big, the big one that the Lord reminded me of uh, happened this. We were, we were traveling from Monroe to Illinois to see our family, and we stopped along the side of the Indiana uh, Tollway uh, to get something to eat, and there was uh, uh, a place to get a salad there. Linda got a salad. There was Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
And uh, I went up and got in line at Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I need to describe this. <laughs> it, there was a, a man in front of me, and I was second, and there was a man behind me. There were three of us in line. And uh, but before I say what happened next, it, <laughs> we were preaching through the book of Revelation in, in our, at our church. And this may sound like it's not related, but it truly is. Um, and we, I was immersed. I mean, you know, Jimmy, when we preach, we're immersed in these texts. We are laboring over them. I'm immersed in the whole book of Revelation, commentaries, everything, and so on. And so there I am, and the man in front of me orders a three-piece chicken dinner. And I'm not supposed to make oaths. I was going to make a vow here. Uh, as God is my witness, the, the, the young girl behind the counter said, I'm sorry, sir, we're out of chicken. <laughs> and then I thought I saw an abyss uh, open. I thought I heard the sound of hoofbeats coming in the distance. I, I saw the fiery bowls coming, pouring down. I heard the cries of the saints saying, how long? How, how long, O oh Lord? And, and, and I, I, the guy was there standing in front of me like he was in a Franz Kafka novel, uh, The Metamorphosis or something like that, <laughs> an existentialist novel. And, and uh, I, I just kind of said to him, I didn't kind of, I said, did she say we're out of, they're out of chicken? <laughs> and, and like that person in the box, his voice was taken away from him. He could not speak. He went like this, and then he, like slow motion, he just, he lost his way in life. It's, he, he drifted away, and, and the tap from the guy behind me said, are they out of chicken? I'm still there in the line, and I couldn't speak. I, uh, I, I lost the ability to do that, and I, I just went like this, and I drifted away and <laughs> went, went back to uh, uh, Linda, and she said the words I did not want to hear. Where's the chicken? <laughs> and I have to say, they're out of it. And she got this confused look on her face. Look, if, if it doesn't have rice, it's not an Asian restaurant. And if it doesn't have maple syrup, it's not a pancake house. And if it doesn't have chicken, it's not Kentucky Fried Chicken. And if it doesn't have the presence of the Spirit, it's not a church. It's, it's just not. I mean, Moses says in Exodus 33, where will we go without your presence? And then Moses says, isn't because isn't that what makes us distinct? So the, the distinctiveness of the real church is, is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. And thank God for this spiritual place here tonight. I just bless you all with an increased confidence in your ability to hear from the Spirit. I bless you with deep abiding lives in, in Christ, great fruit-bearing lives. That's, 
your reality. That's your destiny. Lights that shine out in the midst of a dark culture. Uh, power that comes not from you, but from the Holy Spirit flowing through you. Uh, signs and wonders, even. Things that will, that will draw others to Christ. I bless you with, a, with confidence that in your testimony, uh, there is a great power. It influences many. Uh, I just, God, I just lift up this church and this great people here and say thank you that you are having your way with them. And I just feel the Lord saying, oh, you haven't really seen anything yet. The great, greater things, yeah, the, the greater, greater things are coming. Yeah, amen. So, Lynn and Angelo and I would like to pray if anyone would like healing. And, um, I think we can just do that is, uh, you know, if that's you, let's everyone stand up, okay? And if someone wants to come up here, uh, we're going to do that. We'd love to do that. I bless your church as a healing culture. Uh, there's a great atmosphere for healing here. There's a great desire for everything that, everything, uh, that the Lord wants. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.